Welcome to Ali and You, the business success and lifestyle show. Today, we are going to talk about how do you create success, but without like working 24-7 and actually having a life. Uh, our guest today is going to tell you all about that, how he's done it, how he's helped so many create an incredibly successful business while also having a life, right? What a concept. So let me introduce you, uh, Mark. Very excited to have you here. I'm going to do the quick formal introduction so people know who you are. Great. And uh, so Mark, the deal maker, okay, that says a lot right there. And digital nomad, nine times best-selling author. Oh my gosh, nine books, holy cow. Has become an industry icon for not only building a massive real estate empire, and media empire, but the way you did it, right? Traveling the world and enjoying your life while delegating to others, to his A-team um, members. So we're gonna learn all about how you did that, I'm dying to hear. And uh, you know your story of trial and error and how you've been able to run this business and travel the world uh, so letting go of things that you didn't need to focus on anymore and really working 10 minutes a day. Right. Wow. So we was four hours a week. Now it's 10 minutes a day. Um, so anyway, he's going to share these secrets and, um, really glad you're here. And before we dive in for all of you, uh, if you haven't had a chance to get your hands on it yet, my brand new book is the pre-sale. It's up there on Amazon called Scale or Fail, How to Build Your Dream Team, Explode Your Growth, and Let Your Business Soar. So hurry up and get on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. We'll put the link up there and you can get your copy and get our quick start guide and lots of fun bonuses. All right, Mark, thank you for being here today. Definitely, thank you for having me. So you've uh, lived a pretty full life and, and continue to, like it's not over. Um, <laughs> so can you just share like your backstory? I am sure it's, you've got quite a story and I, we would all love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So I started off small town Ohio, right? An hour east of Columbus, Ohio. I was, uh, I grew up, my family, you know, hillbillies, um, which is a good thing. I still like being a hillbilly, but you know, making money was always a, a, a different concept. No one, you know, the only way you made money where I grew up is trade time for dollars. And as a young age, I always thought about like, how can I make money without doing the work? You know, either doing lemonade stands. I didn't mind, by the way, I don't mind working. I just, I just saw people working until they're dead and there was no out. The only way out is dying. And I'm like, there's got to be something better than that. So just as a young age from nine years old and beyond, if from, I, since I can remember, is I was thinking like mowing lawns instead of me doing it, how do I hire people to do it? And, you know, make half of it, but I got 10 lawns going instead of one lawn. And really just started building from that and laying in bed dreaming at 18 years old. I, you know, 17 actually, like, how do I make 100,000 a year? And my brain went back to the old school mentality of like, well, if I make $20 an hour, I got to work this many hours a week and blah, 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 blah. And again, I wasn't afraid to do that. And then I just, I got a company. I bought my first company two days after high school owner financing, no money. I still can't believe the guy sold it to me, but I stopped and asked, right? You just never know if you don't ask. What was that, what was that business? <laughs> it was a seamless gutter company. So gutters that go around the house, you know, protect from the rain. So it was literally, the guy was in a bad car wreck. He couldn't use the company anymore. 
And I just stopped and made up this story about my uncle wanting to buy it. You know, it's kind of like my buffer into the door. And uh, I told him, I was like, well, my uncle doesn't want to buy it, but I'm interested. And he looked at me like he, I'm crazy. And I was, and um, it still am. He's like, well, what do you know about gutters? I was like, well, water runs downhill. He literally stuck his hand out and said, it's going to be your company. And I bought it that day. So no money down, $287 a month and kind of started my journey. to the real entrepreneur life, right? So I, I knew I'd never go to college, barely graduate high school. I was a class clown. Um, you know, they call it cheating. I call it, you know, delegating and outsourcing back then. I'm not advocating cheating, by the way. But I do think the system's broken with that because I wasn't good at science and health, but I was really good at math and, you know, different dynamics there and getting away with stuff. So to me, it's like, I just figured out like, how do I never have to work for anybody? I've never had a, a job in my adult life ever. Um, and I either thought I either kill it or I don't eat, you know? So I wanted to figure out a way to go do that. And entrepreneurship back then though was not sexy in 96. It's a little bit different now, but um, I was an entrepreneur and people are like, Oh, this will never work. You're going to fail. You're going to, you know, and all that. And still today, I'm still getting told the same thing by the same people, but doing what I want. <laughs> Oh, I love it. What a fantastic story. I mean, we have a lot in common. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And I mean, because I started my business in 89. Okay. And uh, it was the same thing. You're nuts. This will never work. And <laughs> uh, I've had a job for two weeks. So but lately, I was employed for two weeks. Nice. So I, you know, you win on that one. Uh, <laughs> So, but what an incredible story. You, I mean, you're like a born entrepreneur that was already thinking that way to buy a business so young. I mean, I, that's, that's awesome and great for that guy to see that potential in you, right? He gave you yeah. that first start. Absolutely. So, um, so obviously you've learned a lot along the way. And what do you feel if you were to kind of narrow it down to three practices, Mark, what do you think that you've instilled in you uh, that got you in the top and because I know real estate has been a big, you know, industry for you. Yeah. Real estate's been big. I've been doing it since 20, you know, 22 years now. So I kind of still learning actually because markets change and shift and um, all that good stuff. But for me, I think the biggest thing that I learned at an early age is I've always wanted to be a relationship business owner, not just transactional. And real estate's very transactional, right? You got the buyer, seller, title companies, contractors, and all that. And still today, I still do business with people I've done from 20 years ago and beyond. So because I, I, I didn't sacrifice profits to make a transaction happen, I actually said, hey, let's create a long-term relationship. How do we do 100 deals together, not just one? And I see a lot of businesses fell there. I, I see, you know, everyone's talking about the next best funnel, upsell, cross-sell, downsell. But the, and it may serve the client, it may not. I'm not knocking it. It's just... I'm way different on that. I'm in for the long haul. I think I'm going to be doing this another hundred years and I want to be doing it with people I like. And uh, from my experience, that's like one of the biggest things that changed my whole business. Yeah. And you know what? It's the most rewarding part. Absolutely. Deep relationships. You come become part of people's family. And I, it's yeah. just such great advice. Really. It's so smart. You're really like shooting yourself in the foot when you're trying to play that short game. Sure. Yeah. And everyone does it different, right? Everyone has a different path. Cause for me, like, you know, as I was doing that, like I was a very immature business guy, right? I didn't have a good mentor teaching me how to build a business. I kind of just watched one guy make a call. I said, I could do that and started my real estate company. But what happened is like now as well, another success principle for me is like, I figure out how to pay my people more money. Like I lay in bed thinking about how to pay them more. I know all my competitions think about how to pay less, how to do less and how to make them do more. 
And um, for me, I'm like thinking, you know, do they need new cars? Do they, are they trying to up-level their life? I, want, I really, again, relationship, I want to know about them, not just what they can do for the company. Oh, that is so beautiful. I'm sure they love you. And yeah, I love them too. <laughs> super, super generous guy. So what, do you, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you feel business owners make that right. hold them back? I mean, the biggest is them thinking they need to do everything right? No one will ever do it as good as me. And from my experience, you may be right if you're only doing one thing in your business every day. But the truth is, as a business, especially as we develop as a business owner and a company, like we can't answer the door. We can't answer every phone call. We can't meet every person. We can't meet every vendor and all that stuff. So they might not do it as good as you, but, but the truth is you're not doing it that well either, if at all. Um, so what happens is that's why the inconsistent entrepreneur exists, right? Is there's a lot of inconsistencies because our mindset, like if you're trying to figure out how to make money, you're probably not that creative on, that, on creative, like creating funnels and, you know, signs that look beautiful or whatever to draw attention because you're thinking, you know, tr you know, very boom, 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 money, money, money. So for me, my biggest thing was like focus on really like letting go. And in my business, I, you know, everyone's going to real estate events, trying to figure out the next tactical way to make money. I was actually, when I discovered like, I want to be in a business. I started going to business owner classes, hiring business mentors to teach me business development. And that's about really mindset, working on yourself, letting go of the vine and all that. Right. And, uh, and that's, you know, I've had mentors my whole life and um, I'm such a big believer in that. Like, no, recreate the wheel, like learn from other people's mistakes. Sure. That has worked. Yep. So tell me your thoughts on mentorship and uh, why do you think that it is valuable? Well, the truth is at the end of the day, people like you and I and the listeners, you're going to get to where you want to go eventually. The question is, do you want to take the short path or long path, right? Because we're hard workers. We'll beat our head against the wall. Hopefully it's not the dead fly syndrome against the windowsill, but ideally we stop, look up and go out the window. It's open right next door. So for me, I have mentors in everything from health, financials, um, reading P&Ls. I mean, as a business owner, reading a P&L is a big, important thing as you grow. So my company's become so big now, I'm not even a real estate investor, just real estate houses are my product, right? And the P&L tells you, you're either going to make money or lose money this quarter or however you have it designed. But, you know, no one's going to come and get mentored by me on working out though. I'm not good at that side. But um, I do hire, I have probably four or five mentors at all times. So give me an example, kind of a breakdown, like what sure. kinds of mentors? Yeah, I, again, financial mentors, like guys sitting side by side for me once a quarter saying, hey, Mark, you know, here's what's going on with your company, you know, helping me see around the corners, if you will, right. my blind spots, you know, because sometimes we get so tunnel vision, we're like, this is the only way, blah, 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 as opposed to step back and take in the input from other people way smarter than me. I've just yes. one of my biggest unique abilities is knowing I'm not smart and I, I'm okay with that. So listening to great people. Um, and then as well as like getting around other guys, I'm in part of that 100K group, but we were talking earlier where these guys are running different types of businesses. So I'm, I'm listening to them of how they're growing it, what they're developing, why technology, trying to stay up to date with that kind of stuff. Um, Cause I'm not really, I, I'm an old school, you know, phone and pen and paper guy, but my team definitely uses technology at a high level. And um, so, so blah, blah, blah. Oh, and then like, you know, a KPI coach. Like as our business is developing, you know, you have sales, you have operations, you have, you know, we have a lot of real estate. So there's a lot of moving pieces from tenants to city issues and management companies. And, you know, if you're looking at the wrong numbers, it could really set you back quickly. Right. 
Yeah, so that's fantastic that you really got to divide it up that way. And you said something that I think is really key. Sometimes you can be so in the weeds that you're not looking at the big picture. So when you have someone sitting down with you, really looking at everything, and then you come up with new ideas or you brainstorm on solutions. Absolutely. You're just trying to deal with it on your own. You don't see. Right. Yeah, no, it's powerful, right? I mean, I think it's easy to say, no, this is the way it's always been done. It's the way it's going to be. But times have changed. And if you hire, and if you hire girls, then typically what I would ever come up with, you know, yeah. the best yeah. thing I can guide them as a leader is give them my 40 years of input on being on planet Earth and saying, hey, this is what I've done. This is why I do this and that. And then, you know, it becomes a collaboration. Not, I'm not trying to be right or wrong. I'm just trying to do the best for everybody. So you talk about unique ability. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was watching some of your videos and uh, tell me what is the, what's powerful about knowing your unique ability and then applying that towards your business? Yeah, probably something I've gathered, like I said, I've been going to mentors and masterminds for 22 years, literally. And what I've always would see is a common thread of entrepreneurs. You know, they're like, Oh, I'm working on something new or this new. And I'm like, if you're making money here, why are you bouncing the new stuff already? You're barely making it over here because that's what you're telling the whole group. Why are we going to something new? And all entrepreneurs, we love the sexy, fun, new stuff. But what for me, a unique ability was actually coming to a realization is like, Mark, you know, focus on something and be great at it. So I always talk about going in real estate again, back in my other business, going deep on what we're great at instead of wide on what we're okay at. And I see so many people get themselves spread so thin and then they wake up 10 years later and they're dead broke and they have no business. They have no voice. They have nothing um, except hard work and, you know, a lot of miles on them. So for me, my, you know, unique ability for me is that staying focused. It allows you to stay focused. So when opportunity comes in, you can say no and be confident in the no as opposed to like, well, maybe let's talk about, let's blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you waste three weeks or three months or three years of your life to wake up with nothing to show for it. Right. Yeah. And then if you would have just stayed on the same path and just go deeper with that. Sure. Um, I love a quote that Joe Polish says, and it's actually in my new book, um, Scale or Fail, be willing to destroy what's good to create what's great. Absolutely. That's awesome. But then it's, it's hard to do sometimes, you know, especially when you are talking about people, for instance, yeah. that work with you. And you know that saying, what got you here won't get you there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've experienced that, having to let go of people that are not the right fit for where you're going. Yeah, that and them leaving me because I was immature. I was trying to pay them less. I was going what I knew, right? Pay less, work them more, turn them into a mule, right? They either die or quit. And, um, you know, that's the facts. I see a lot of people do that. I used to do that for 10 years. But until I realized, like, you know, there's so much more to life. I, again, I had a bunch of money in the bank, but I wasn't as happy, right? So, yeah. to me, that's where the, I lost the relationship in my roots of who I really am. When I discovered that, yes, you get burnt sometimes, but the good way outweighs the bad. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's such a good point, too, because our life is happening right now, right? And if you're not in the moment and really enjoying it, what is the point? Sure. So... Which you, with this business that you've created, being a digital nomad, so first of all, if you could let everybody know, what do you mean by that exactly, digital? You paint a picture. Yeah. How you've managed to live that lifestyle and have your business be so successful. 
Yeah. So again, where I come from, you work hard, right? Like you work 16 hour days. It's normal seven days a week vacation. No one even knows what that is. So October 8, 2005, my grandmother passes away, right? Unexpectedly two weeks at stage four cancer. She's in, she's in her house. She's, she's gone. I had a realization at 27 years old. It said, Holy cow. There's so much more to life than this. And literally it took me from October 8th to December 31st to figure out an exit plan to get out of Columbus, Ohio. And I never took a trip. I've, I've, I don't, again, it was hard for me to de, de pull from that, but I saw my grandmother and I'm like, life is this. It's very short. Actually, today's her 90th birthday. She was still alive, which is interesting. So I was, um, I, I literally went to my office, started bawling. I'm like, you know, I have money. I don't really have friends. Everyone, my friends, they work for me because I'm yelling at them. But they become your work friends, right? Because that's all I hang out with. And I just started, you know, I went to um, South Beach, Florida for a month. And then it turned into two and a half years. Keep in mind, this is fax days and flip phone days. This isn't like high, high level technology. And I said, I got to figure out a way. I created a constraint in my business and in real life that I'm not there. Real estate's a very chest to chest business, like a lot of businesses. And I had to create a process and a uh, procedure and hire the right people to help implement my voice throughout the marketplace. And, you know, I took, it was, it was a grueling process, but it was uh, one worth having. So digital nomad is being from afar and running a company um, on purpose. And so what is your day like? You, I mean, you said you, you've got this process where you work 10 minutes a day. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, was it 10 minutes or 30 minutes? Now? 10 minutes a day per company. So I have two different companies that oh, we're running. Okay. So you're up to 20 minutes. So. 20 minutes. <laughs> Overworked, underpaid. Yeah, yeah. So explain that, how, yeah. how you're arranging your life and how, and, and how you're delegating. I'd love to know that. Yeah, I mean, so what I did in the real estate business is create the top-down level, right? So pull out a, a flow chart, like what's your business look like? And it's me, the leader, visionary. And then I have a COO, Peter, in the real estate company and Patrick in the media company. And like, you know, hey, guys, here's the vision of the company. Again, this is the difference with being a boss and a leader, right? I don't want to be a boss. I'm not good at it, actually. I'm really bad at it because I lead with emotions, not reality. And that's why I always say data, not drama, because I easily get sucked in and just like, all right, just take care of it tomorrow, as opposed to like focus on the bigger picture, like the data. Um, and then, you know, you have the top, then you have the acquisitions team, the dispositions team and all that, and really just hire great people and give them the tools to be successful. So I invest a lot of money on my COOs. They go to COO training camps with different people. Um, my salespeople, they have sales organization opportunities. They can go, I'll pay for any sales training they ever want to become better. Um, and I'm always looking at up-leveling my team and creating, you know, just a good culture, um, which keeps them around more, longer. Um, like everyone on our teams, I look at them as they're going to be there forever. And again, yeah. to me, that's important to impact their, like you said earlier, families. There's just so many more. I'm a legacy builder now. Um, so my, my day looks like it's actually 10 a.m. to 10, 10 a.m. on the real estate company. It's, we do a huddle where everyone comes on, they give their KPI number. So I could be on an island, listen on a global phone. Everyone's on the call. They know the next steps. They know, you know, just knock it out. Boom, boom, boom. As opposed to like, hey, what's going on? You know, it's, it's very to the point. And we know what's going on. And same thing in the media company. It doesn't start out there, by the way. This is a process, right? So oh, yeah, yeah, don't do this at all. But we're making you work overtime today. Yeah. Well, this is, if this is work, if this is work, I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is fun stuff. Well, good for you. I mean, it really is a testament to building a team like that. Um, they obviously love you and uh, they get your vision, right? I mean, right. that's the real thing is where 
they um, they understand the whole point of what you're doing and changing lives and sure. And you got to know where you're productive at. Like I'm productive sitting on the beach or sitting at my house, hanging out with my son and wife. I'm, I'm productive going to a Starbucks. You put me in an office. We have an awesome, awesome office in Palm beach. I maybe go there three times a year, maybe four on a good year. So I don't need to be in there. Actually, I go in there. My CEO kicks me out. Cause he's like, you can't be talking to these guys like that. Like, cause I get them all excited. I'm hanging out, buying everyone lunch and drinking wine in the office or whatever. So for me, it's like, go where you're the most productive and be cool with it. I'm not worried. I know a lot of owners are like, well, what if my team sees me at the beach and they're at the office? Well, create a better culture. Like if my team's worried where I'm at, I don't care where they're at even. As long as product is being pushed and, you know, people are doing their job, I don't care if it takes you an hour, a hundred hours, just get it done. Right. Right. So, so your office is in Florida. Yep. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Very cool. So, um, <coughs> But let's talk about the busy, the difference between being busy and productive. I mean, that really ties in with, with what we were just talking about. Sure. Probably there's a lot of things that people just, they, they think they're being productive, but really they're just spinning in circles. Well, I mean, again, it depends on what we're talking about, how, how big of, are we talking about result oriented, right? So like in, in the real estate business, sometimes it's a little hard to tell if you're being productive because your P&L statements are lacking. So like in our business, again, we're financial at this point. So we need to know how much money's coming in and out. There's a lot, some days are amazing. Some days are really bad. But yeah. yet, like if you're looking at the P&L properly, you'll see, you know, that's why the data is so important. The data gives you direction, confidence, et cetera. So for me, like I'm always looking at that kind of stuff and that's how we create productivity is based off of if the P&L is growing, not necessarily your cash basis, right? Because sometimes relationships take a long time to form. And, yeah. um, you know, look, again, the data points, you know, if you're making 20 calls a day, something's going to happen. If you make two calls a day, 100 calls a day, two, one, like, and you're up and down, you're riding that financial, emotional roller coaster. And that's where I see people peter out is they just get worn out. Yeah. And uh, in their head, they're working way harder than they are in reality. You know, and, you know, if you want to get real down to it, like the scoreboard never lies, right? Yeah. So for <laughs> those that are in the earlier stage in their business, and okay. they're really trying to get the sales ramped up, what do you feel are some good practices? Not necessarily strategies, but, you know, how is, is it just being consistent? And so what are your thoughts on that? Well, again, in business, you know, the, la the biggest problem with humans in general is consistency, right? So my team, when we start going down the path of that, I always say you're either consistent or non-existent with your vendors, with your, your message, with your product, with your team. All these pieces are very important for growth. Consistency. Right. Yeah, it's just continue to show up and, and, and better, you know, less but consistent instead of erratic, right? Sure. Like marathon and then sitting on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, look, I like eating Doritos and having beer, but you can't sit on the couch saying I want six pack abs and doing that. So a lot of times though, like people are thinking in their head, they're doing all this work and they're just overthinking, right? I think making decisions too. Again, another unique ability to me is making fast decisions. Cause I've been, it's like a muscle, right? You got to work on that. Some people take two months to make a $500 decision is boggles my mind when they're saying, Oh, I'm going to make millions of dollars, but to make, you better be able to make way bigger decisions way quicker than that and controlling your emotions and all that. You know, I think it's another big piece that a lot of people don't think about is this is an emotional thing. Like it doesn't work necessarily as good at home. Cause if I get in a fight with my wife, I can't just turn, I'm like, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, you know, we yell back and forth and boom, I moved on. 
because that's what we have to do in business every day. You know, maybe not just yelling, but you're controlling your emotions up and down. And she's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It's not that it's not over yet. (laughs) I think I just had that same conversation with my husband. I'm like, honey, women, that's as we talk, we're talking, we're, we're processing through this, you know, he's on to the next thing, but yeah, yeah. Consistency. You know, like you said, if you're consistent and you're patient and you're focused on your goal and you, you know, you know where you're going. I, I think a lot of times people just get, you know, they get shiny object syndrome and they just, they're all over the place. The emotional and financial roller coaster is real. And until you can harness those and really understand how it works and, you know, figure out a way to get in the lines, but in a trajectory going up, it's going to be a tough road ahead, but it, it's worth one riding once you get it dialed in. Yeah. Then it just becomes a way of life, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. think about it. And so, um, and one last thing I want to ask, because you brought that up, is decision making. Is the, and because I do feel like that's such a big component of success. Mm-hmm. Is that you, you just do it naturally without thinking, probably. But if you were to take a moment and think, you know, is there a process that you go through when you need to make important decisions? Well, I mean, listen, depending on what kind of important decision it is, I might bring in a team to help me make the decision, right? Um, I got the final say so, but I might ask their um, professional advice, not opinion, because everyone has opinions, but their professional advice. But again, my job as a leader is to protect the overall vision and the team. So sometimes me as an entrepreneur, I used to just make decisions on the fly without consulting my team and it would disrupt their, their flow. And they're like, hey, you can't be doing this. You're like messing up what we're doing. But on decision-making, I, I mean, again, I'm very, I understand risk and reward. I've worked on it really hard to understand that. So if I'm, you know, getting basic stuff, a $200 online system, some people just overthink simplicity and they get caught up in that. And it just really burns It's mental gymnastics. You know, they're wore out by the time they're ready to actually make those 20 calls they're supposed to make today. They're like, I'm burnt out. And they go to Starbucks and they hang out and do nothing. And then they go to ice cream joint next door and just, you go, it's a, it's a negative spiral. So I, I think making decisions, you know, yes or no decisions, the, the maybes are the ones that get people in trouble. Yeah. yeah decision. Indecision is a decision, by the way, right? It is. It's a decision <coughs> to stay stuck. Yeah. Now, so this is all fantastic. I'm, I'm sure everybody watching this is loving it. I know that I am. And so you've, I mean, written several books. You have a new book that's come out. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, again, it's the 10-Minute Business Owner. I got one right here. So the 10-Minute Business Owner kind of talking about some of the topics we're talking about, digging a little deeper. I'm, this isn't a book that if you're brand new in business, you're going to take and go make millions with. It's more for the people actually doing business that are stuck with time management, hiring people, you know, trying to figure out how, well, I don't have that much money in the bank. What's my first hire or next hire? Kind of just having those conversations um, with people that are actually doing it. And that's a great thing about mentors as well. Like you mentioned earlier, Allison, is like having these conversations where we're talking about, this is what's going to help you expedite your growth. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Well, I'm going to order the book. And uh, I'm going to recommend that you all get the book. I, it just, if, if this piqued your interest at all, I bet it's absolutely fabulous. And there's a lot of golden nuggets in there. Sure. And you have something that you're offering for free. We're going to have on our library, right. the and You Library, where you all can download this gift. And also the other gifts that we've had from all of our guests. And this is your path to a million a year. I'm just going to hold this up. Yep. And it's a chart that you fill out. There's three steps on there. 
Uh, can you kind of just tell us about that? Briefly? Yeah, again, you know, a lot of times people, depending if you're selling a dollar product or a million dollar product or whatever, they're, they're overcomplicating simplicity. At the end of the day, to get to a million dollars, if you have a product, there's a path to get there. There's a success rate. There's a process from, you know, lead gen to conversation to, you know, close the deal. So figuring out that path and just creating like a very crystal clear timeline, that's what the million dollar path is. Because so many people come to me, Mark, I'm going to make millions of dollars. I'm like, okay, well, how are you making a million? And they're like, well, I haven't yet. It's like, well, what's the path to get there then? They're like, what do you mean? So again, it sounds so basic and elementary that it really is. That's what's awesome about it. But like, it will give you the path. How many calls do you need to make a day? How many deals do you need to close? And at what dollar amount? And as you know, you could sell a million products at a dollar. You could sell 10,000 products that, you know, sell a thousand to 10,000, et cetera. Like depending on your price points and change that up and play with it and get to where you're happy and comfortable, you know, where you want to be. Yeah, I know. We do make things way more complicated than they need to be. Uh, but really like <laughs> price point, how many do you need to sell to get where you want to go? And then that consistency, right? On the back end of it. Yep. So this is awesome. Well, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but all you got to do is go to alisonmaslin.com forward slash library. You're going to get this uh, from Mark Evans. And thank you, Mark. This has just been fabulous. Uh, Thank you for sharing all your wisdom, your life experience with all of us. Thank you. If there's anything else I can do to help, let me know. Absolutely. So you guys need to check him out, Mark Evans. Go check out his website, all the stuff he's up to. And thanks for spending this time with us on Allie and You. And remember, this will live. You're seeing this. You might be listening to it live, seeing it live. We have the video podcast, the audio podcast on iTunes. We are on Spotify. We are, we are on all the platforms out there based on whatever it is that you need. And also grab a copy of my brand new book, Scale or Fail. And uh, you're going to get all kinds of bonuses with that, where I'm sharing 30 years of wisdom, building 10 companies, and the roadmap to scale your company. So get the 10-minute business owner, get my book, and man, you guys will be set. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks so much, Mark. All right. Till next time, everybody. Get out there and elevate yourself because you deserve it. Bye.